0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. I know we've been neglecting this a little bit lately. It's been a few weeks since we've had a show, but we're back. This week's guest is Aaron Onspach. Aaron was a former national runner-up at Penn State and went on to coach as a volunteer assistant with Cale Sanderson. And now he's a Sales representative in the financial services industry. So, we share a lot of fun stories about his career, what it was like wrestling at Penn State, what it was like working uh, under Coach Kale. So, I hope you enjoyed this one. For past episodes, please visit WrestlingChangemyLife.org. Thank you very much. Take care.
1: Well, I was a fanatic. There's no doubt, I'm a fanatic. My goal was to get carried out of the wrestling room because of exhaustion, and it never happened. The thing it did for me every day about six o'clock is that when I got out, I looked back in and there was nobody else there. Bottom line was I didn't reach my goal. So guess what happened? I went back in the room again. But I got some quality time because of just some kind of a fanatic goal. Yes, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on, Ryan. Um interesting how we kind of met there on the plane, and cauliflower ears, the common denominator against <laughs> all of us, right? <laughs>
0: exactly, yeah, so so for the listeners, I was boarding a, you know, 6 a.m. flight to Detroit, walking down the uh, aisle of the uh, of the plane, and I see this guy, he's just savage looking, cauliflower ears, big dude, well-dressed, and so I sat next to him, and it turns out it's Aaron, and he wrestled for, for Penn State, and, you know, went on to, to coach with Kale, and is now in in a sales role and so we bonded and that's how we got to this point man so it's been what three weeks of knowing you now
1: yeah it's been good <laughs>
0: it's been a good Absolutely. relationship well so. well Aaron just to start I know we talked about this I'd love to just take us through you know, a background on how you got into the sport and what your wrestling career looked like and, and kind of what you're doing now
1: uh, awesome Ryan yeah so um just to start from my childhood my, my father wrestled uh uh, Jim Monsbach he wrestled at RIT which is a division three school up in uh, Rochester New York um, he was you know he says it's mediocre but he qualified for the district uh, I'm sorry the, uh, D3 national tournament his senior year and um, I don't know if I might have want a match or something but anyway wrestling's been in my family cousins been called uncles always been around so I've always been exposed to it and my dad pretty cool in his part where he never really forced me into it he just kind of led me I guess to the water and let see if I would drink kind of thing. And, you know, as a little kid, I was, I was the worst wrestler, uh, <laughs> in the world. I, funny though, I, I pride myself on all the trophies I acquired because I was always the, the big kid when I was little. So I would show up at these tournaments and there'd maybe be uh, three or four guys in my bracket. So I, I walked home with a lot of trophies, but it didn't. yeah, the elementary, you know, it was, it was fun. I was, all my buddies did it. So that's kind of what kept me in the sport. I would say, Ryan, and I didn't really grasp wrestling wrestling and enjoy it until, honestly, I hit like junior year of high school. And that's kind of like, I guess, when I hit puberty and started to grow in ways and my body transformed a little and kind of realized, like, I had kind of had a gift a little bit in the fact that I had some, you know, uh, athletic ability, essentially, uh, that, you know, I, for my size was maybe a little bit unique. Um, so I really, you know, started at that point to kind of, um, you know, put more emphasis into it and... And truthfully, my, my story to how I got to Penn State was kind of unique in the fact that I, I um, not to brag, but I was an All-State uh, defensive end, and I was being recruited by the University of Delaware to go play uh, fullback for those guys. Um, pretty much had my mind made up that I was going to go there, kind of verbal in that fact. And uh, long story short, my senior year, I went undefeated until the state finals match. Our high school, my high school, has only had one state champion prior I think that was like a 1960 or 70s uh, gentleman named Bob Bell. It's kind of a big deal. And, um, you know, going into the state finals, I was going to be wrestling this kid named C.J. Settler, whose brother was currently at Penn State, and he was on scholarship to, to, to go to the, the university. Um, anyway, long story short, match was going the way I wanted it, envisioned it. Um, trained my butt off for it. I was up early in the mornings running. This is all I could think about was winning gold at Hershey. And uh, I was winning 3-1 with 10 seconds left. I had a mental mistake, got taken down, did not escape, went into overtime. Um, CJ shot off the whistle, and I lost the state finals within, like, twenty-second span. So, you know, that, I bring that up, and I share that with you because that really is kind of the, the loss that has kind of guided me and um, something that I really always lever back on as far as, like, just, just life lessons I've learned. Um, and I'm sure everyone listening out there has those losses too that they can really pinpoint that, you know, the the, 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 pivotal point in their life. So anyway, at that point, that's kind of what brought me to the decision of I was bitter <laughs> and I, yeah. I can say it, more or less, I was just a bitter guy. Like I was like, shouldn't have happened that way. Uh, I saw it going a lot, a lot of other different ways. I was being recruited by you know, a lot of local PA schools. Um, Nothing. No huge programs except for Penn State was asking me to be a, basically a preferred walk-on. Um, so anyway, I decided that I wasn't going to play football and I was going to go to Penn State. I was going to, you know, beat this CJ guy and um, <laughs> university. That that that's literally what took me to Penn State University. My my uh, ego and and arrogance and just you know being bitter and you know just wanted revenge essentially in a, in a kind of a way. Um, so go to Penn State at the time I went my now one of my best friends who's in the UFC Pat Cummins um he was there starter he's a two-time All-American for us he finished second his senior year so I redshirted for I was going to be redshirted my first two years no matter what kind of do that going in um however got there things didn't go to plan for myself or CJ um I had a shoulder surgery after my first year which I redshirted uh turned my labrum and that basically took me out for six months, rehab, had a orthoscopic surgery, came back, uh, rehab back. And then getting back, you know, this would have been the end of my, I think, sophomore year, I re uh, my shoulder. At that point, they put a, a cadaver in there and basically give me the ultimatum of like, Aaron, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to compete again. Um, it's pretty, you know, you have a likelihood of this, uh, the, the, your body accepting this, you know, another person's body essentially um, isn't very high. But if it does, you know, you're going to have to rehab and it's going to take a while. So long long story short, Ryan is I I spent about two and a half, three years of rehab before entering into my junior, which is my fourth year uh, in school. At that point, uh, my good friend, Joe Edwards, he bumped up the heavyweight, not knowing who, you know, he was a 97 pound all his career, but we also had Phil Davis at 197. So it just made sense for him to come up and uh, Joel beat me in wrestle-offs that year. So had a couple of like limited experiences where I got out to wrestle once or twice where Joel was sick or or injured. But uh, he was the starter. He earned the spot. Uh, He, you know, obviously, he came a little bit short. He was around the 12 that year at the national tournament. And I'll tell you, Ryan, at that point, I made up my mind. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm sick of being the backup. I'm sick of being, like, nobody. You know, my buddy, one of my best friends, Phil, at the UFC, uh, he was getting all the praise because he was, you know, going to – I think he was a Nash. no, he didn't win yet. He took second. Four time All American, he took second in I just, I wanted to be the guy. Is really what I wanted to be. So that yeah. summer, I made a decision where I was just going to essentially train and be that guy. And um, long story short, I had uh, four losses that year. Three of them that were Cole Conrad. I lost the money. We, I'll tell you, the first time, the first transition for me where I knew I had a special gift or I knew like I could do this at a, at, a, at an elite level was Penn State. There's this mountain called Mount Whitney. Um, if anyone's ever been there, it's, it's awesome. It overlooks the whole campus. It overlooks the whole city of, of State College or town of State College, I should say. However, mm-hmm. we would go run this, and we would run out there, and the goal was to essentially run every step. And I, you know, our lightweights could do it in under, under 10 minutes. Us bigger guys were somewhere under 15 to 14, whatever that would be. Um, yeah. But the goal was never stop your feet moving. Never walk. Never put your hands on your knees. And I'll tell you the first time I ever completed that with running the whole time, I, it, it just switched in my mind. I, I had a mental switch where I'm like, I, I will wrestle through every position. I will tire someone out. I will go until there's like that, 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 that quit attitude where it's either him or I'm going to quit. And, and that, that's the visualization now that I use, or, or I should say when I was wrestling at that time, it always went back to when I first completed that that uh, that, trail, I guess you can call it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, where were you? Weird. So I, what I still,
0: was that your junior year or earlier? Like where were you at when that happened? So that was moment?
1: that was going into that was fourth year going into my fifth year. So got it junior okay. essentially into my, my red shirt junior year into my red shirt senior year.
0: Yep. Yep. Wow. So that's where it just yeah. it switched for you. And you know, during that journey you were on there from you know when you lost the rest sloth to ultimately when you made the national finals were there days where you woke up and weren't feeling it or were you just so motivated from this that you were just in the, in the zone that whole time?
1: Great. You know what? I, I don't, I don't think any wrestler honestly can look at themselves and say every day I get up and this is the best thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you, wrestled, you, you, you know, you tell me like there's just yeah. days where this is not, you know, getting your head beat in or getting up at five 30 to drill is like, it's not something you want to do, but I was so right. ingrained in being a national champ and just like having success at that level and wanting to be the guy at that time um, for Penn State that I, I it, it drove me. It drove me past any of those feelings or like days where I just didn't feel like it. If that makes any sense at all, um, it there were tough days. There really was. Were and I. Honestly, through my shoulder injury, you know, kind of had to readjust my whole style. Um where I, you know, I would get in on shots and have my extension be extended and I I really adjusted that to to what worked for me and just a style that was more compact but a lot of movement, a lot of just fakes and tying individuals out and yeah, I, I it was a lot of it was a lot of work. I'll tell you that, but it was all worth it, obviously.
0: Well, man, you you're the epitome of persistence because so many um times along the way you might have thought, all right, this is my break. And it turns out it wasn't, you know, I mean, the injuries were brutal. Um, and then losing the wrestle-off that late in your career could have been really tough. And then, obviously, even losing in the national finals, of course, was probably, a. Gr- it was bittersweet. You know, you you made it there. It's an incredible accomplishment that probably less than, I think, a half a percent of all wrestlers ever experienced. But at the same time, it was probably devastating that you didn't win. Um, so, I mean, you're. I was, I'm just thinking about it you just persisted through all that stuff. Um, and it sounds like the big thing to me is that you made a choice and, and like, maybe you got a little bit technically better, but mentally you made a choice and that set you on the path. And from there, you just said, no, this is mine. I'm going to take it. Like it was just that choice you made.
1: That's a, you said it best right there. I, I think we, if I'm relating, I rate wrestling wrestling every day to my actual wife, you know, and we have a choice. Everything we do is a choice, truthfully, meaning – and this is a perfect example. Um, I'm in the car right now driving to my next appointment, um, and we'll get in I guess, what I do a little bit later. But, yeah, essentially I've been trying to get a meeting with this guy for a long time. I, last night, had a host uh, I was taking guys to the Red Wings games in Detroit. I live in Chicago, um, took the hands of the games, got home at 1 a.m., was planning on working from home today, but I've been trying to get in front of this relationship that, you know, Essentially, I I couldn't do it until today, and I got an email literally this morning at 8 o'clock that said, Aaron, I can meet you for lunch. Well, I wasn't planning on driving two and a half hours out in the field today, but, you know, my choice was, well, I can sit at home, work from home, or I can (laughs) make the most of this opportunity and attack this this potential sale. And that's a choice, you know? So I made the choice of I'm driving five hours for one lunch meeting, but that's the choice I'm going to make because it's either the harder choice or it's the right choice, in my opinion. And I totally agree with what you just said there, Ryan, as far as there was, there was choices to be made. And, and literally the choice was a lot for me and with relating to wrestling was, am I going to be tougher in my situation? I, I, I Technically, you know, I, I'm not taking anything away from the coaches I wrestle for. They, they gave me a lot of, you know, they were great technically. But obviously, Cale Sanderson, if you want to talk about technical and his staff, there's no one, I mean, obviously there's guys out there that are awesome. But in my opinion, there's no one better in the game you know, they're, they're doing it at the elite level. And I don't think my te- technical aspect of my wrestling really evolved until I got to go with those guys and be a part of their staff. But choice wise, my, my mental toughness and in that aspect of my life, that, that was all made from a choice I was going to make. And that was made from the choice where I was going to run every single step of that mountain. And that translated into obviously the success I had, uh, in, in my senior year and thereafter.
0: Dude, you're an animal. I love it, dude. Um, I'm getting yeah, fired Yeah, appreciate up right it, now. man. <laughs> um, I know. I'm so, t-
1: still the same way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you you talk about so it, Kale had that much of a a different um, or the level of technique was just that much more. Huh? Like it was just that obvious that they were on a whole other level, huh? Uh,
1: they, they, I, I'm telling you, Ryan, and I, I, I don't want to give any of his secrets. <laughs> going right, to the Big right. I don't want to give anything. No, I, I'm joking, but uh, they, I, Kale and they did, they do stuff that I had not seen until I was exposed to their coaching. And and I say, they, I'm really referencing, um, kale, Cody and Casey Cunningham, um, Cody Sanderson and Kale Sanderson. Yep. 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 Their, their techniques and, and their, and, and really positioning of what, of how they get their wrestlers to, you know, they adapt to each wrestler. Obviously they don't have one style and that's it. They, they help make each other, um, each wrestler turned their strengths into their perfections, you know, and their weaknesses into strengths, essentially. But mm-hmm. they just – technique as far as positional, positionally, if you're getting into positions they've never been in, I, I have not been around anything like that prior. And it, it, was, it was pretty amazing to watch um, Kale and just, you know, learn from his tutelage of, like, how he – he's a student of the sport, and, and he's ever-evolving. And it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible, truthfully. Um, and I, I'm more happy if you want more questions on him and what, what his philosophy is. I'm more yeah. happy to dive into that. I, well, I'd love to I, know, I think like, what, how, does think
0: about, how does he think about winning and losing and goal setting? Awesome. Perfect
1: question. It sets me up. There's no – at Penn State and their philosophy, there's no – I don't want to say emphasis on winning and losing. Obviously, the ultimate goal is every year – to win a national title. That, that's evident. No one's in that sport not to win a national title. You know, their philosophy and their essentially mo- model or whatever you want to call it is we want to give our God-given abilities and we want to represent God in the best capacity possible, and we do that through giving our absolute everything every time we step on the mat, having fun, and essentially not worrying about winner losses, but worrying about the effort we put out. That's that's it to a T, and that's a lot easier said than done, in my opinion. Um, even when I got to wrestle like post-collegiately, and I was you know wrestling in these international tournaments, and i was still I was wrestling for Kale and I the ninja Lion Club and those guys, I still haven't figured hadn't figured that out yet what that truly meant. Now sometimes being removed from the sport a little and just being able to think and maturity, obviously, I I totally get where what they're coming from and being just able to fully give your all and you know, if that's a win or a loss, so be it either way, but you compete to the best of your ability. You have fun doing it and you honor God in the process. And it's like, that's a, that's their philosophy. And it's obviously they're going for their eighth national title, um, uh, coming up here this in the next month. And, uh, you'll, you'll see if you can watch those wrestlers, and I'm sure you have Ryan, I'm sure everyone listening, probably it just looks like they're having fun. (laughs) It, yeah so much they're, fun, they're, they're they're fun just, it doesn't it just looks like they're like just they're playing games you know and a lot and give me don't get me wrong they have some of the top athletes out there we all know that and, the, and the, they have some of the best pedigree but it's it's still it's a fun environment that, that that they've created that that or i should that culture that they've created there well and it's it's
0: like you know that they they're re- they're wrestling freely, which is when you perform your best, right? Everyone knows that when you're nervous or tight, it's not your best effort and you're not able to react or you're not able to maybe think as clearly. So they're doing, you know, technically they're, they're superior. And then mentally they're like able to put these guys in some state where they're just, you know, that flow state you you hear about more and more lately is they're just optimal capacity when they get on the mat and they're not, they're not worrying about, like people's expectations about them, where they're not worrying about, you know, worrying about losing, you know, it kind of, kind of comes back to the the thought of, and I, this sounds cheesy, but I love this. Oprah said this, that all emotions are a root of fear or love. And like, they're not fearing the outcome. They're loving the process and they just can't get enough of it. It looks like,
1: man, I, I love watching them. You, you're one, of, man, you, you hit it on the nail on the head right there. You're, yeah, <laughs> Your intelligence there to dig in and then see that is, is pretty spot on because they're, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, they're loving what they're doing. Let's put it that way. They're loving their, their time and they're enjoying the experience.
0: Now you, do you think this may be a dumb question, but do you think they're busting their ass just as hard as anyone else or are they working smarter than everybody else?
1: Um, I think, so here's my thought on that. That's a great, that's a great question. Yes. And yes to yes. Yes, on both of those. They work hard, extremely hard. However, they don't let emotion come into their work ethic. Let me just re- – let me explain what I mean here, okay? okay? For example, when I was on their staff, we lost – oh, man. Okay, well here, here's a better example. When I was on my prior staff, you know, we, they were from the – and, again, I am not – I owe those guys everything. Um, that coaching staff is – they're the best. But we had a real bad loss to Minnesota my senior year, and we came back and you know it was like dude, the effort wasn't there. It was just a bad performance. We came back and I think we trained at like midnight. <laughs> like we we the plane landed, we were down in the room wrestling as yeah. just, I don't want to say punishment, but just like all right, we're gonna figure yeah. this out kind of thing. Kale and them are they, and this might be a little bit too too and coming in, uh, but they they set their schedule. At the beginning of the year and they do not deviate from it so it it's basically they have their rest days their rest days they want their athletes resting they understand and i think that's pretty evident in the fact that yeah i think there was a couple injuries this year with rby got from his knee but he did like a crazy backflip you know which obviously is not mm-hmm. you know the the, the most um <laughs> uh, that, that's not ideal to, obviously to not prevent it or guys not crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> crazy right yeah, but like if you look at their staff, like I mean, or their team, like there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of guys sitting out for a lot of huge injuries, and I mm-hmm. think a lot of that is a testament to them sticking to the schedule that they put out in the beginning of the year when preseason starts, and they have it aligned with what they're going to do leading up for peaking at the right time come um, nationals. I mean, look at it, Ryan. If you look at the Big Ten tournament over the last couple of years, I, I don't know the statistics here. Maybe you do, but they didn't win last year, and I don't. Think they won the year before. Um,
0: I think but Ohio that's not State the ultimate won goal.
1: years. Yeah, yeah, Ohio State. I think won last two. I could be wrong on that. Um, but anyway, yeah. they, the, the, the ultimate goal for them is competing at their absolute best at the, at the national championship. And I really believe that's done through the process of not deviating from the, the plan put in place.
0: The discipline not to sway off course is incredible because it's you know maybe wow. you have a loss here or there and you want to you want to start changing things but it's just the the trust and confidence in the system is incredible and again it gets back to the process it's fascinating stuff man and I appreciate you sharing on that um as we as we move to the latter part of this um you're in sales and we're both we're both in outside sales you're in financial sales I believe um, on the wholesale side of business um so maybe just talk about how wrestling set you up for that and and you hit on it a little bit earlier with the mindset but maybe just share your thoughts on that
1: yeah um I I think sales is like a wrestler's (laughs) I think that's like their ultimate job you know because it's 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 like how hard are you going to work to get what you want kind of thing now, mm-hmm. there's a lot of other elements that go into that as you're well aware of, and I'm sure everyone that's going to listen to this are they're like, hey, that's, that's pretty obvious, you know it's, you work hard to get good things happen. But I think wrestlers just have a tenacity and like just the and, and this is what I take into it is just like, and there's a fine line, obviously, but I just take into it like literally I'm going to bust my butt, I'm going to work harder, and <laughs> I'm going to do whatever it takes to kind of, to kind of win the sale in a way. Now, there's right. an annoyance level that you can't, <laughs> you can't be annoying in sales, you know. However, there's just ways you can go the extra extra mile or the extra, you know, whatever to to, to basically build relationships and, and win sales. And I honestly, I do believe sales is sales and it's relationship building at its finest. Um, I think the best people I've been around that are good at it are the guys that are out there. You know, they have that. Happy go medium where they're they're friends with their clientele, but they also can ask and um, they can land the sale kind of thing. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, Ron, isn't that is the feasible. finest it's, line, dude? It's the finest line. It's really it really yeah. is. This is super cheesy, but man, my wife is a she's a baller at it. Um, she's in sales as well. She sells staffing. Um, she's an account manager with them, and she she can. Yeah. She does, I watch her, not that I've been sitting in offices with her, but she crushes it. And I learned a lot just from her, you know, I, I'm very non-confrontational and I learned a lot of like, you have to kind of get to a point and then like you said, fine line, there comes a fine line now where you got to have to ask for the sale and, you know, make your relationship kind of known and in your partnership. Um, it is a fine line. I, I, I love just listening to sales individuals. You know, I I read a lot of books, um, hopefully that helped me, leadership books and just the things of that nature, but it's it's great. Sales is great because you eat what you kill, essentially.
0: Definitely. And man, it's funny you say that about your wife, and this is sexism in the best possible way. The best reps I've been around are women who have that relationship, but they are firm when they need to be firm and they can push them when they need to be pushed. It is, I haven't seen a guy master it yet where they're not coming off in a in a cheesy kind of way. So I don't know what it is. I man, know I, this lady at my last job was that she would sit down. They would have you know if it's a lunch meeting, it's different. But then when they get to the to the boardroom, and she would yeah. say things that would make my skin crawl. She's so direct, but they appreciate it. You know, the clients most of the time appreciate it. They really do.
1: But I, I think you're, I, Ryan, I think not to interrupt you. I think you're right on with like yeah. honesty and like just the cheesiness aspect. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I never want to come across cheesy, but I also want to come across as like respectful and and I, and there's a fine. You're right about that with the, the women and you know, I don't know if we teed this up, but it's it's like National Women's Day or something. Uh, I just heard it on the radio a little bit ago. So is it really? We're, I didn't know that. It, it's <laughs> I didn't. I I just heard it before we got on the call. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah. They they do. Uh, there's a fine line there that the women have kind of mastered, and I'm just uh, trying to learn mm-hmm. after a lot of what I've seen. So.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like you want to be, you want them to, when they see Aaron's calling or they see Ryan's calling, you want them to want to pick up the call, right? But at the same time, it's a business and they they know, the thing is that they know you're there to grow your business. It's not a secret to them, right? Right. And hopefully you're there because they have a problem to solve. Um, And so if you can kind of juggle that, but also build the trust along the way, the more they're going to tell you. So it's like step one, build trust, build the relationship. The step two is, you know, when you hear something that you think you can solve, then you inject yourself. And you're not afraid to do it.
1: Right. It's, it's right. so many
0: pieces. Right. To that. that's I, why I love it,
1: dude. I, I think you made the biggest point there. Probably that success for my career is when you said hear. it's, it's, it's all about listening. And this, this is true for my mm-hmm. wife and my, my marital relationship is like, I never, I could hear her, but until I listened and fully understood, that's when things changed, you know? Like, I think in sales, all too often, people are, and I was this way for several years. I've been in this role now for four years. Um, but I think at all too first, you go in there with an agenda, and you're like, I have to get this, this, and this in front of this person to land the sale, where I don't think that's the case at all. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think you need to listen, find what the issue is, essentially, and then interject a solution or, uh, you know. Yeah help with solve that problem kind of thing. Um, right. that's, that's really exactly. what I've learned over the years. Yeah.
0: Well, it's like if you're feeling uncomfortable in there, you know they're feeling way more uncomfortable. So it's like – but then there's also – the last thing I'll say this before we move on is sometimes if you're not asking questions that make you uncomfortable, you're not doing your job. either. So man, there's just so many levels to it, man. And, and I know with wrestling, you know, there's there's guys who – like that Yanni Yakima Hollis. I listened to a podcast with yep. him, and he says – what he loves about it is that there's so many levels, and there really is it, and that's why I think wrestlers and and you make great salespeople for the work ethic, but also for the learning, right? The learning can never stop, and so the there's two pieces of it there. Yep. Um, yeah, I could I could riff with you about this stuff all day, man. But I know. Um, yeah. I only asked for 30 <laughs> minutes, and we're over time here. Can, can we just move into a few uh, more quick fire questions, and we'll, then we'll let you go. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely, man. I'm I'm good. I don't, I'm good till 12, so yep. Or okay. my time. Perfect. 11 years.
0: So when you, um, when you used to visualize in college, would you do it at a certain point in time, like in the morning or after workout, or would you just kind of do it throughout the day?
1: Uh, throughout the day. Yep. Okay. I, okay. I, I, I don't know if you want me to elaborate more on that, but yeah, I, if you want Please. to do a rapid yeah, fire, I can.
0: Definitely. Yeah. yeah I, no, no, elaborate. Throughout
1: the day, yeah. I, I think, I think, you know, when you're wrestling at those levels, like you're, you're fully ingrained. Like, you know what I mean? In my mind, I was there at that point, to my senior year, to win a national title, graduate with secondary. Yeah, that was going to happen regardless. You know what I mean? Where a lot of people are, let's get our mm-hmm. education and whatever else follows, follows. I would think about it consistently. I remember being in class and just visualizing, like, the, the ultimate match, you know? I remember going in before the Big Ten National Tournament, like, I didn't overlook anybody, but my ultimate goal was Cole Conrad because I he was my... I wasn't his nemesis, but he was mine. You know, I couldn't overcome yeah. that. And I would just envision how, like, that match would go in a perfect setting, um, which it never did. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was consistent for me, truthfully.
0: Yeah, it was nonstop. And do you visualize a big meeting you have? If you have a presentation, have you carried that over to work?
1: It, per, I was awesome. Um, yeah, lead into that. Yes, absolutely. Especially especially now as I get more, um, into my career and into my, you know, you know, what I've been, what I'm doing here is I, I, am not a problem that has any, has an issue getting up in front of anyone doing public speaking. It's always been pretty natural for me and I can joke around and, and do it. But as I've gotten older, I've learned I need to practice and I need to visualize like how that's going to go. And basically I, I should say, turn the knobs on my presentation every time I do it. So one thing I started to implement into my career is I've started practicing this in the hotel room uh, or even if it's at home in the evenings um, where I'll I'll actually, if I have a big presentation or a big meeting, I will lay it out and do it beforehand. And then in my mind think, okay, what could I have done better? And it's really helped my, it's really helped truthfully. And I I honestly just started this probably in the last six months um, through people I've heard and people that have done that in in my company. Yeah, it's
0: it's incredible how much more confident you feel because you know the mind doesn't know if it's happening if it's physically happening or not, right? So if if you're doing the meeting two or three times in your head ahead of time and then doing it out loud, by the time you get in there and do it in front of the customers, it's you know, the fourth or fifth time you've done it, right? So yeah. I love that. And yep. that's, I I never I had this uh, Jake Herbert on the podcast uh, almost a year ago, um, and yep. he said this because he, he used to visualize a lot, and he's like. Listen, if you're not doing that in sales, he's like, I don't know why you would why you wouldn't, because you should be doing it like three or four times in your head before you even get there. And so I have been in sales about four years at that time. And then since then, to your point, I've done it where, okay, five days out from the meeting or three days out from the meeting, I'm gonna visualize in my head first. I'll go and practice it out loud, then visualize it one more time. And just that is like leaps and bounds better because you you find things that you maybe would have ran on or rambled about, but you just tighten it up.
1: You know, absolutely, man. I it's all about preparation, and it's like kind of like if we mm-hmm. raise the wrestling, like you don't go into a big match unprepared, and it's the same way I think about meetings. Um, the same. Yep. Uh, another thing I do quite often too is bounce ideas off my colleagues and peers. Uh, I got a couple friends that are in the industry, some obviously a lot within my firm, but a couple that are in other firms, and I talk quite consistently with them and just ask them their idea and what they would do, and that's that's very helpful too, by the way. Okay. Yeah,
0: and, and that's the battle of you know, not being too proud or too much ego to ask
1: for help. Um, and I, I don't get that sense at all and, from you. And, and and honestly, to be candid, Ryan, I think I probably learned that from Kale. if we relate back to him. Because he considered the one of the best wrestlers ever come, you know, amateur to come out of the United States. He's always looking for a, a constructive criticism or a better way of doing it. You know, he's never once had that approach where, Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the bestest way. No, it's, this has worked, but if there's a better way, I'd love to see it kind of thing.
0: God, and it's, 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 It comes back to just getting, it sounds so cheesy, but 1% better a day. Um, I've, yep. I've lately become, a, I, I get down these rabbit holes there, and lately it's, I've been obsessed oh, with uh, this concept of the Toyota production system. And the guy who invented Toyota in the 40s, You know, they're now one of the largest car manufacturers in the world, and it happened so fast. But they have this concept of Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N, where it's, it literally means um, the pursuit of perfection. And they have these things that the, at the Toyota plants. They're called the Kanban cords. And if you're on the plant floor and you notice something could be better, like this shelf could be moved two inches closer or whatever. It could be the smallest thing. They pull this cord. They document the improvement. And then it's implemented the next day. It's like, just think if like we were all that diligent about improving the things we notice each and every day and then putting them into our new habits. It's like, it, it explodes your mind to think about what, how much better you could be, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
0: I had crazy stuff. Um, okay. Uh, second to last question. What are some of your favorite books you've read lately outside of the Goggins one?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that, that one was awesome. Um, I read this book called Legacy. Uh, it's about um, the it's the rugby team over New Zealand um, it talks they're considered like the best I don't know their record or I don't want to misstate them and mm-hmm. essentially it talks about their success and you know their process for success and, and what basically what that, where that's come from and it's, for them it was all about and I'll let the audience listen to it and read that book, great book though but for them it's all about process 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 you know, and being regimen in their process and, and just uh, essentially just doing everything correctly um, from practicing to, you know, preparation to even getting up in the morning. It's just really interesting to see why they've had their success they've had and why they're just, you know, when it comes to rugby. The um, book I'm reading right now is called Washington. It's a biography on Washington's life. Um, What's it called? Uh, it's called Washington. It's a New York Times Washington, bestseller. Okay. Ron Church now Ron Ron is the author. Um, it's really a biography about Washington's life. But our CEO of my company, Jim Bowen, recommended that all of us read this uh, back at the mid, uh, end of the year Christmas party meetings we've had, and yeah. he just said he's one of the great pioneers of our of our country, one of our four, you know founding fathers, obviously, but sure. the things that Washington did and just his um, his leadership. So. I'm only—it's a long book, but I'm only a little bit into it. Um, so okay, that that that'd be uh, the other one, and then Something I just got done, uh, yeah, I just read um, you know Jocko, Uh, he's a Navy SEAL, not, not Jacko. Uh, Jocko Wilnick. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, leadership, uh, Dichotomy of Leadership, I think it's called. Um, okay, I, that was my book before that. So that I'm like four books removed from that. Great book. I love Navy SEALs. I think they're the elite of the elite. So he relates basically his skills experiences to his leadership roles and how that's transpired into basically, you know, the business world and, and that. So awesome books, all four of them.
0: Yeah. And those, um, those podcasts that, that Jocko's done with Joe Rogan, that Goggins has done with Joe Rogan. And then, um, yeah, I think Jocko was with on Tim Ferriss too. And that's how he started yep. his own, you know, eventually. And he's like a, a superstar now. I mean, that guy's incredible. Uh, but Jocko and, and David Goggins are just, they're the they are the elite of the elite if you're looking for some motivation. Um, oh, absolutely. I can't agree more. And then last question before we kind of round out, you know, the Impact Wrestling's had is, do you have any routines that you like to, that you think separate you or, or kind of how you structure your day? Anything around that?
1: Yeah, I – so my, my world's a little different in the fact that three days to four days a week, I'm on the road. I'm in a hotel. Well, two to three days, let's put it that way. Yeah. And then, yep. I'm a family. I'm family basically Friday through Monday back home, meaning I'm still working on those days, but I'm working from home. We have a four year old daughter. Uh, she did daycare. I typically work from back to home. So yes, my routine is every morning I get up and I work out. <laughs> now that workout. Yep. I, I run a lot. I don't, I might, mean, if you saw me today, you might be like, that's your a lot. But um, yeah, I try to get somewhere within a marathon of running in during the week. That's my goal in my oh. mind. Um, so that's, that's my ultimate goal. I, I've been pretty consistent with it. Uh, 2019. And then the other thing is I just kind of take some time in the morning and, and, you know, I, I hate to call it uh new year's resolutions, but we, my wife and I kind of deemed it as being uncomfortable for the new year. And I've been trying to become more, Uh, I should say intellectual with common affairs, common things that affect me in my world. So I I try every morning too. I put on, um, I listen to Ben Shapiro a lot of Joe Rogan, but I try to just make myself uncomfortable with things that uh, I'm not real familiar with, like, you know, current events or or whatever that may be. So that might be reading the paper as I'm getting breakfast or listening to a podcast um, as I'm going to a meeting. Um, That's, that's my typical routine. And then on the weekends, you know, our, our life's pretty crazy. Um, obviously living in the city of Chicago as, as yourself and, and having a little girl. Yeah. So there, there, I try to work out every day during the weekend, but that's not always the first thing in the morning. It's just kind of what suits our family schedule or what we're doing at that time. So.
0: Yep. And your wife seems like an absolute animal, man. Maybe she should be on the podcast sometime. <laughs> she should do. <laughs> she's dude. she's, cool, she's the
1: boss, man. She, she crushes it But out know She's with all, with not trying to sound cheesy at all. I, you know, we're yeah. in a very nice situation, and we both are – we complement each other nicely in on the, on the way we motivate, so.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, and, hey, real quick before we close it out, I got to know, do you – I know you're, you're a UFC fan, right? Did you watch the Askren match yeah. this weekend?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I wasn't going to miss Ben fight. Well, okay. Yep. Was
0: he I'm – I'm obsessed with Ben Askren. Ben Askren, if you're listening, I'm trying to get you on the podcast, brother. Um, you'll be on it if don't know it yet. Dude, I love that guy. I just watched the Flow film, Funk. Have you watched it yet?
1: Watched the what? I'm sorry.
0: Flow Wrestling did an hour-long documentary called Funk. It's about Asker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I watched it. It was awesome. It was so awesome.
0: Dude, how, yep. how jacked does that get you? Like, he was so obsessed it with does. wrestling. He's like nine it, moves in advance. It's incredible what he thought about. It,
1: it really is incredible how he evolved and, like, taught himself that. Yeah, it was awesome to hear that. Dude, um, it was fact ignite. that he beat listen Herbert
0: to, fourteen to two. Crazy. Go ahead. No,
1: I didn't even know that actually. Because um, they're both they're both you know legends of the sport. But uh, Legend. listen to him. He's on Rudis, so he's involved now with that Rudis clothing company. Um, yeah. And him and Matt Durland – Well, Matt Duran's one of my best friends. Um, his daughters were at my wedding, actually. Uh, they do a podcast every week, and yeah. Ben talks about the fight. Uh, if you listen to it, he they spend about twenty minutes talking about Ben talks about his experience last week in the Acheon and, and everything. So, um, are you, are you asking me my thoughts on it? And if the uh, was, yeah, done I or just, what? Uh,
0: yeah. It, so I, I got it. Do you think he was done? I, I, I don't think he was, I, but man, it, I don't know.
1: I, this is my thought. If he wasn't done, he was going to be done from, from what I hear about Ben. And I don't personally, I mean, I met Ben a couple times, I don't personally know him real well his grip is unbelievable and people might say he might've squeezed himself out there. I highly doubt that. And yeah, even if he wasn't under the chin, you can still choke someone out from being around the neck, like on a jaw or whatever. I, yeah. Even if he wasn't done, it looked like his own did go in, but he also packed up. So like spry that I didn't, it seemed like, well, how did that happen? You know what I mean? Um, I, I, yeah. well, I think he would have been done if he wasn't done. Let's just put it that <laughs> way. I, I
0: agree. I mean, there's no way Ben Askren was arms were going to gas out. And like, he, he's just too mentally tough. For that. I mean, the guy might be the most mentally tough person ever, especially to take that beating at the beginning and come back. And, unbelievable.
1: Incredible. and like I, Rob,
0: Robbie Lawler, it was the former world champ and he beat him in his first fight. dude.
1: It's like, are you kidding? Me? I, I texted Dylan right away. And I said, that's one of the toughest dudes I've ever seen to take, picked up and dropped on your head like that. And then get punched in the face, like five times from that guy is, it's not a joke. <laughs> Well, not it's only not that, like,
0: right before he got dropped on his head, he was like putting a master class of a ticket on him. I think he took him down. I know. Did like a little drag yeah. by. Like, it was like, couldn't have gone better. I, it was just surprising to see him get launched like that. And then, I mean, Lawler, have you ever seen someone more physically imposing in your life than that guy at that fight? No. He looked incredible.
1: They, 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 they said it in that podcast, but that's, they said that's like the best he's looked in a long time. And I agree with that. I, you know, I'm like yourself. I'm pretty uh, much a fan and watch all those things and yeah it was it was incredible I, I he looks so great.
0: fit man yeah it was all aw- what a great card um I'm, I'm curious to see what happens I, I just I cringe when I hear how much Asker and Dana do not get along I just don't think that's going to be good for a long term but who knows I, mean, I don't know how it all works but they do not care for each other <laughs> at all
1: um, you, it's funny you say that I thought the same thing but um I, I think Ben maybe knows what he's I don't know I, I I hope I don't he's know. around because I love watching him. I thought oh, he's good for I our he's good for our community. He's good for that sport. I, I believe that.
0: Definitely, and I have I've gone in and out on the on the Rudish podcast. I used to listen to T. row and Funky all the time with Tommy Rowland. Yeah, me too. Um, yep. I got to get a as especially as the Big Ten's are coming here. I can't wait. I'm gonna gonna buff up on it. But I definitely wanted to listen to. I will listen to that one. Um, I also love Askren's Mental Mondays. If you guys haven't. Uh, not not yeah, even you, Aaron, I'm, but even the listeners—they are gold. Ten minutes of gold, yep. dude, every morning,
1: every I Monday. Totally agree. Yep, I totally agree. He's material out there.
0: Yeah, he does. Um, well, hey, live, this is the the wrap up here. So I know we've talked a lot about wrestling and the impact, and it's probably pretty obvious to how it's impacted your life. But if you had to, you know, tell a parent or, or someone, hey, I'm thinking about letting my kid wrestle. Why would you say
1: yes to letting him wrestle? Like, what would you say to that? awesome um everything i 35 is my age and everything that has shaped my life and where i'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons i've learned through the sport of wrestling um and and i truly mean that wholeheartedly it's my advice to a parent letting a child wrestle is don't be one of those crazies let them have fun with it. Let them take their losses because you learn more through a loss than any win you ever have, in my honest opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that that's it. To it, that's it. Honestly, Ryan, that that's why I would what, what I would totally tell parents.
0: I love it, man. I couldn't agree more on that. That's probably no surprise to anyone listening. Um, but dude, I had yeah. a great time having you on. We'd love to have you back in a few months here and circle back on things. and And best of luck to you today at that lunch meeting, man. Get after it.
1: Hey, I really appreciate Ryan. It's awesome and kind of interesting we did that. But um, thank you. I feel honored to be on here. And uh, yeah, I'd love to be back in a couple months. So thanks again.
0: Sounds good, man. All right, That's take the care. end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.